There are not a lot of news stories that shock me. I've been doing this for a while. Read a lot of news stories. Read a lot of headlines. Seen a lot of lies come to light. Covered a lot of tragedies. Sought to understand. And this is one where my understanding of the world, of politics, of government, of the police state is validated, confirmed in the saddest, most gruesome way with this headline from CBS for Miami. Where have we gone wrong? Sheriff on 14-year-old girl 12-year-old boy shooting at deputies. Now, sheriff's deputies, the story, the story, I mean, even the first headline, the first headline is so fucking wrong. So disturbingly wrong. And in a way that most readers may not even notice. Sheriff's deputies in Volusia County were forced to fire on a 14-year-old girl and 12-year-old boy after they reportedly opened fire on them from a home they broke into. Now, before I even get into the rest of this tragic story and how it ended up with the girl getting shot now struggling for her life in the hospital, reminded of a quote about the Dalai Lama who said when asked what was the first thing he would do if he was president he said I would start calling things by their proper names and I imagine he would start somewhere along the lines of war is murder taxation is theft police are thugs politicians are criminals and government is a racket and I think about nonviolent communication. I'm a, I'm a big fan of nonviolent communication. One of the things in nonviolent communication with basic principles, and this is, yes, Marshall Rosenberg's concept of nonviolent communication, is in also using accurate language for the purposes of clear communication and empowerment. And one of the things that he harps on a lot, very appropriately, is this, I had to, I was forced to, I didn't have a choice, I just, I did, I had, it was required, it was mandated. We were forced. What, God came down and grabbed your hand and pointed the gun at a 14-year-old girl and squeezed the trigger? Is that how it went down? You were forced? Sorry. You see why, when you understand the world this way, a simple sentence like this can trigger so much. <laughs> Might trigger. No, but America should be. In the language of I had to, Marshall Rosenberg refers to it as uh, what the Nazis called it. 
Amsprache, office talk. Bureaucraties, as we might say in English. Oh, we didn't have a choice. We just, we had to go along with the system. We had to go along with the authorities. We had to make you wear a mask in order to go into our business, to use the bathroom, to wash your hands, to do normal, healthy human things. But the thing is, it's not to go along, to get along. It's the excuse. Oh, I'm I'm sorry, dear. I I I'm sorry. I I missed our kids' recital. I was forced to late to work late today. No, you weren't. In that language, the excuse to not take responsibility for your actions. You were for. I was forced to work late today. I'm sorry, dear. No, you chose your work over your family in that moment, and that's fine. My people, hey, dear. Because you can rephrase it, dear, I am really sorry I missed this thing. But, you know, we talked about this. I decided it was more important to put food on the table and keep my job than to be at this event for my family. Oh, I was forced to. Is that the excuse? Is it the product of conditioning for disempowerment? I was forced to. I had to. I needed to. It was required. It was mandated. I didn't have a choice. But you do. You do have a choice. Otherwise, why would you be asking? Where have we gone wrong? The sheriff's office said foster kids ran away from a juvenile home on Tuesday. They broke into a house where they found an AK-47, a pump shotgun, and a handgun, and 200 rounds of ammo when deputies arrived. The children shot at them. Now, here's the first point at which you might ask, where have we gone wrong? You know, before the kids get shot at, perhaps, just maybe. <sighs> Volusia County Sheriff Mike Chitwood said they tried to negotiate with the children to stop for two hours. And then what? Oh, the kids the kids won't do what we're asking them to do. It's been two hours. All right, fucking shoot them. Really? That's that's how you handle a case like this? For a 12-year-old boy and a 14-year-old girl, that's okay. Chitwood said, our deputies did everything they could tonight to de-escalate, and they almost lost their lives to a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old. Where have we gone wrong that a 12-year-old and 14-year-old think it's okay to take on law enforcement? What the hell is the Department of Juvenile Justice sending these kids to places that can't handle them? What the fuck is American law enforcement doing sending officers so poorly trained into situations like this that they can't handle children? That their answer to handling unruly children is, oh, we'll, we'll talk to them two hours. If that doesn't get anywhere, fucking shoot them. Oh, but you did everything you could to do. They were in a, like, now I, I, I'll, I'll give the cops this. If there were a 12 and 14 year old kid with guns running around outside shooting. And you had no other way to stop them in the moment. And other people's lives were at risk. Sure. Possibly. 
excusable. But even then, this is why I want police departments to have drones with cargo nets to save kids' lives, to save your life. What if you're in that situation? What if you've been drugged? What have you been lied to? What have you been confused? What if police, instead of escalating with violence, were actually trained to de-escalate? Because two kids with guns, you can't handle it, and you think that two hours is the time where you go, fuck it, shoot them. Uh, that's not the product of proper training. That's I, I, I would I dare say that any... Any human with any human adult with a head on their shoulders could find a better way to de-escalate this this kind of situation than shooting the kids. As the story goes on, deputies eventually return fire, hitting the girl in the abdomen and arm. After the girl was shot, the boy dropped the AK-47. He wasn't hurt, and no deputies were injured. So a 14 and a 12-year-old put their lives in danger by shooting at cops. And those cops are not even willing to take injury to de-escalate. Not a single injury. Not, uh, I was looking, I jumped in front of the gun, jumped out. You had them contained in a house. You had them surrounded. And this is one place I will say Law enforcement, if we look at it in the bigger sense of natural law enforcement going after real crimes, real victims, providing for the public safety, I want them to have more resources. But do they have to clock out? Hey, guys, uh, shift shifts up in 15 minutes. We got to wrap this up. Shoot the girl. I want them to have more resources, honestly, when it comes to them dealing with real situations. The problem is you can't look at this and go, oh, well, we need to give cops more guns and more power and more training because that's not the answer. So I would like to answer for, for the sake of this sheriff, where have we gone wrong? Where have we gone wrong that 12-year-old and 14-year-old think it's okay to take on law enforcement? What kind of sick, inhumane fuck are you, Mr. Chitwood, that you don't turn that question around and instead ask, where have we gone wrong that cops think it's okay to shoot at 12 and 14-year-old kids? You want to ask, what, what the hell is the Department of Juvenile Justice sending these kids to places that can't handle them? I kind of wonder about the ethnicity of these kids, right? If they were black, it doesn't say here, right? Conveniently left out for now. But if they were, for example, I would say, well, a 12 and 14-year-old kid growing up black in America. Why would they possibly think it's okay to shoot cops in the year after George Floyd, after all? Where have we gone wrong? You know the part where a thousand Americans die at the hands of cops every year? I want to start with that. 
Where have we gone wrong? Sending children who, by circumstance, are deficient in their parenting, and instead of providing them with real love and proper homes and guidance, we hand them over to a government foster system. If you're a kid, you're going around, you broke out of your, you're, oh, wait, wait, you broke out? What, what do they say this? Broke into a house, ran away from a juvenile home, and then broke into a house. Why is government putting them, see, places that can't handle them? More like places that just don't give a fuck. Ran away. It's kind of like that Dimitri Martin bit about lost cat, please find and return to owner, answers to nibbles. And it's like, no, that cat didn't write that flyer. <laughs> the cat wrote the flyer and say, free cat, cat is free, cat catches own food, leave cat alone, do not talk to, you know, oh, but they, they, they just ran away. What was the last time inmates just ran away from a prison? <laughs> we put them in government schools where you can't tell the difference is it an education center or an incarceration facility and you wonder these kids are pretty smart they know they did something bad they did something that the cops don't like perhaps and then the cops come at them men with guns Men who kill people. People who violently disregard individual rights. And I say, well, what if they were black? What if they were poor? Oh, they were kids growing up in a foster system? They're fucking poor. You think they don't know? You think they don't know who the real enemy of the people is? And especially now in the middle of this pandemic, they have convinced us all that we are the enemy. We should be fearful of each other's droplets. Deathly afraid. It's like that saying, war is when government tells you who the enemy is. Revolution is when we figure it out for ourselves. Where have we gone wrong? Thomas Jefferson said we should have a revolution with every generation. A revolution to clear out the corrupt and the evil elements of authority, of society, of, of government that have created such a stagnant, disgusting, overburdened, toxic system that a story like this isn't going to make the country ask, where have we gone wrong? I wish that were the case. If only that were the case. If only we could say that this girl 
now fighting for her life at the hospital. Didn't get shot and maybe die in vain. Maybe America will be so shocked that they might hear a call to conscience. And in light of this story, a relatively petty incident, but surely a sign of how far we have descended to the depths of statist evils, America will ask, like the sheriff's deputy, where have we gone wrong? And today is Wednesday. Good morning, Gardenia. Yeah, Ooh. like that. Yeah, yeah. You shake that one off. Rough. You shake that one off. I, I. That's not an easy one to go. I mean, I don't know. Like, do we ask? I got, I got to smoke some weed about it. But like, do we ask? Like, where do we go? Like, does does America, does America ask? We where where have we gone wrong? Do we take this opportunity? I doubt it. We got people in the comments defending these cops right now. It's just shocking to me. Defending the cops. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what grounds? What grounds can you defend they, the cops? They have to defend themselves. They, the cops have to no, so I, I get, I, But that's not what happened here. No, it's absolutely this not. That's not what happened. happened here. I mean, no, if, if they were shooting from a house they were and, and cops responded and surrounded the house. Now, I would give you if I, if the kid if they if they had and that you would trust me if this was a justified shooting. Body cam would be released by now. That's how it works today, and we know this is possible because a few police departments have had to do it. Forced, forced. They were forced. No, in in cases where departments are being blamed. For something, and they could be exonerated. Oh, take the heat off us! This wasn't our fault. This was just right shooting. Look, look, we have the footage. We can get you the next day. Coming right for us. But if the footage makes them look bad, you'll never see it. Maybe it'll take a couple years, or maybe months. Maybe I just sue for it. They had to defend themselves. If there was a video, if there was a video of like this girl running out of the house, fucking Rambo style, spraying cops with bullets. You know, okay, yeah, fucking shoot her. Yeah. I'd say, yeah. Yeah, and I would say the tragedy there is not the cops. The tragedy is whatever fucking mental illness led a 14-year-old girl to do that. That's not what happened. You couldn't surround 200 rounds. You know, wait for them to run out of ammo. Two hours. That's all I get. What's, what's this? What are these kids' lives worth to the Volusia County Sheriff's Department? Two hours, and then fuck it, we'll make a mess and clean it up. There's no, there's no way around it. There's no fucking way. And they ask the questions backwards because they're still stuck in the status mentality. Where did we go wrong? We went wrong by taking 20 minutes to get producer Jim up on screen here. Adam looks like a founding father. Is it that kind of poppish haircut? Yeah. You're, you're, you're definitely. Getting style when you do the when you do the side profile, it's definitely where that's at. It's the it's the 
the bush going into the back, just the way it goes. <laughs> that side profile is definitely like 1800s or something. I don't know. <laughs> definitely see it on a coin. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool. You needed a shot like you did for uh, like you did for Ed. <laughs> a good side profile no, it's in the sun. I, I I I know it has that 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 weird look right now, but I'm just it's just because I'm growing it out like. I actually like the top knot and the ponytail a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, ruined it. I had this effect of what a what a dignified statesman Adam might look like. <laughs> no, 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 top knot, guys, top knot. All right, Jim, <laughs> give us the first. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, Jim. You got uh, uh, yeah, did I miss anything on that story? Uh, no, no, you know me. I'm with you. Uh, I'm in the A cab camp, so you know I. It's hard for me. Yeah. Like you said, there are some cases where if somebody's out in the public and they're just spraying away wildly, yes, there are circumstances where a cop can kill somebody and it's not going to make, you know, me personally go, oh, that was fucked up. You know what I mean? I mean, but this seems like, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't help myself. If you can't find a better way to handle a 12 and a 14 year old, I mean, they're inside the house. Like you said, you have the place yeah, surrounded. So you have your walls up. Wait them out of uh, stun guns. I, right. Not lethal. Rubber bullets, even. Fucking. Yeah. How, any, how many? Any, how many riot ever, gas grenades any, did they toss into hours, the house to pass them out? You know what I mean. And any extra effort, two hours, and then bullets. Fuck you. One one grenade that throws the smoke and makes them pass out. Problem yeah. solved. I mean, I don't I don't understand the problem. You know. You fill the yeah. house with smoke. You pass everybody out. You walk in and clean the shit up, but no bullets fired. <laughs> Nobody's hurt. Yeah, I, well, but... I, yeah I, I really, I really. I mean, you think about like modern self-defense and de-escalation. We were like, I am a hundred percent pro gun rights. Obviously, and I have the credentials to back it up. You know, I absolutely believe that, at very least, on your own land and a place in the commons of public or unclaimed land where you have a right to be, you also have a right to defend yourself however you see fit, as long as you are not violating anybody else's property rights, which includes free use of their property. That's that's an absolute moral principle. Every deviation from that has negative unintended consequences if you're genuinely doing it in the interest of public safety or whatever. But the the development of non-lethal weaponry is going to make it so that guns are guns are laughably obsolete. Um, that, that we don't and, and, and we should have this already. And, and, and I would dare say it's probably government regulation that is the reason we don't have tasers that are as good or more effective than guns. And if you think about it, in some fights. Some guns versus some tasers. I mean, you've got to go pretty back in history to get to some old guns. But you know, if I was, if I was, if I was, if I was wrestling, if if, if a, a fight started with a wrestle or a punch, and it was you can have the most badass taser or you can have a musket strapped to your back, you know, your waistband. Which would you take? Fucking take the taser. You know, um, even as a practical defense weapon against a gun in limited situations, about a knife versus a would you rather have a knife or a taser in a fight? I mean, it's kind of a weird question, but I'm pretty sure I'd rather have the taser. And if it was a really good taser, 
but we're about to be, you know, Star Trek set phasers to stun. <laughs> the, the idea, like, you'd see someone walking around with a gun and you'd be like, you better have a lot of fucking insurance for that. And I carried guns both in combat and not. And there's, I don't want to say an anxiety because if you should carry a firearm safely, reliably, and you're confident in your ability, there should be no anxiety. If there is, you shouldn't do it. But there's an extra burden of, of, of brain space, of energy, of attentiveness, of security awareness that you have to have with, uh, with a firearm that, that you don't really need with anything non-lethal. And there's, there's a huge value in that. Like, can we all just fucking chill out and know that in 99.9% .9 of situations, you know, I've got pepper spray, I've got a super taser, I got a little gas grenade if I want to just make everybody in the room pass out. Like, that's, I know, like, it's a little out there when we're so stuck in the paradigm of policing as it is today, but just applying the technology that we have today, if cops were held accountable for things like this, you would see market forces brought to bear and a balance that would properly express how we as human beings who are compassionate and loving genuinely value human life and we wouldn't let a shooting like this happen. There's no need. Yeah. Yep. True story. Uh, well, as far as uh, producer notes go, join us, join the discussion, join for all the links. You can find that article that we just read and dig into it for yourself and click all the links in it and do all your own research t.me forward slash adam versus the man that's our public telegram channel everyone's welcome uh, so join that and get yourself involved if you want to uh join the private telegram chat we have on telegram you can join that through patreon uh www.patreon.com forward slash adam versus man one five ten or fifty dollars a month are the membership levels ten bucks a month will get you access to that private producers club which will get you 15 off and free shipping on any merch you purchase from us and again, access to the Private Producers Club, which is just awesome. Uh, also, we have a, an affiliate program with CigarFederation.com. Great website that has a bunch of unique flavored cigars, including a CBD-infused cigar called the JSK Nug. You can get as much as you want and use promo code ADAM10 for 10% off of your entire order there. So definitely check out CigarFederation.com and take advantage of that promo code. After that... Visit the Instagram, at the Garden of Freedom. Bunch of cool pictures and videos of life up there in Gardenia. You can see the animals just relaxing their life away. Loving life. Uh, pictures and videos of everything up there with life in Gardenia. So check that out, at the Garden of Freedom on Instagram. Uh, next, check out the Crypto 6 if you haven't already. Go to thecrypto6.com. Bunch of links there for you to check out so you can write to the guys that are still in cages from the Bitcoin church that was raided. Uh, a bunch of QR codes that you can scan and donate cryptocurrency to them for their legal funds, etc. So the crypto6.com, definitely check that out. And lastly, our friends over at gogreenenergyonline.com. They got a great website with education on solar, micro, wind power, zero energy homes. Uh, if you're thinking about doing it yourself and getting yourself self-sustaining with your energy habits, GoGreenEnergyOnline.com is the website you need to check out. So definitely give it a look. There you go. All right. Let's get our co-host up on screen. That's Ant today. Ant Ralston, how you doing, brother? Hey, good morning, man. Yeah, I just uh, 
just got back from Colorado, man. It was it was nice to get away from uh, the same old same old dirt farm that I have here at the ant farm. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, now that we're done talking about heavy shit, we can move on to light topics like uh, COVID. Uh, so yeah. how you 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 don't live in Colorado, right? Right, I live in Texas. So what was you want to tell us about your visit there? You had some some mask policy observations. Yeah, so uh, we were concerned anyways. I took my family out there, you know, and we were concerned kind of anyways because they're a little bit more liberal per se than Texas is, obviously. So we went and bought masks and that we have masks just in case because I didn't want to make a big political scene with my family and my kids are on vacation. So, you know, I told them if we have to wear them, we'll wear them. If nobody says anything, we're not going to wear them. So we go, uh, we started off our little visit. We're on all these little tourist, like, resort towns like Breckenridge, for example. I mean, these are wealthy people go to Breckenridge, you know, and it's evident when it's $4 gasoline versus $3 gasoline everywhere else. They don't, they don't even care. So we're in all these rich people towns. Nobody's wearing a mask. And I mean, maybe 1%. No, nobody cares. There is no COVID like concerns in these towns. And it's pretty, it's still pretty crowded because apparently springtime, it's still pretty busy in places like Breckenridge. And so we're thinking it's going to be like this throughout the rest of Colorado. Well, we ended up going into to Denver proper and we were kind of going about and I had to use the I had to go use the restroom. I went to four different gas stations before I found they even let me use the restroom because of COVID. Everyone's wearing masks there. I mean, before you get any further, and I got to jump on that and go back for one other thing. But like. You know how COVID is the excuse for everybody to do what they wanted to do? You know, like you want to be a Karen, you want to be a petty tyrant, you want to screw your customers, you want to print $1.9 trillion or whatever. Well, I want to pee on the gas station rather than in the gas station. That's always been my preference. I want to go pee in the back on the book, not, not, not on, but I want to pee out or around the gas station. I mean, I, I, I have this, this, magical god granted ability to stand peeing up although i gotta say joy's pretty badass about being able to uh urinate wherever she's got to go psychic taxi i like the idea of the foam glue that immobilizes the criminal very non-violent answer to wayward humor humans yeah there's that too there's a foam glue there's something that that sounds crazy but even with what i know we have it works yeah of course you can disable people without hurting them but uh, anyway, about that excuse, like I, I don't go, I don't really, if I got to pee, I don't use gas station restrooms anymore. Like if, if someone wants to give me should be, you want me to use a gas station bathroom during a pandemic? I think I, uh, that could be our comment contest. Funniest sentence that ends with during a pandemic question mark (laughs) but and sorry one other thing i wanted to go back because there's there's a bigger uh problem i had with with a little bit of wording you use and and rather uh i i'd like to suggest more accurate language that that is more empowering and 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 gets us past the left right spectrum because you said liberal versus conservative and it's absolutely a fair observation. I'm not denying the reality of the trend that conservative parts of America generally go along less with COVID bullshit and mask mandates and shutdowns and lockdowns than liberal parts. But um, it's not, I think there's a more important thing to parse out here. And one of the things that this has revealed is that as anti-authoritarians, 
libertarians genuinely have more of an affiliation with the right than the left as the rest of the population divides on those lines. But there's a big part of the left that, you know, the Green Party types, the anti-war move, my, my people on the left, you know, the ANCOMs and ANSOCs, you know, the, the people who are really like, no, we got to rethink this whole thing. This whole system is fucked and corrupt. And we're not trying to create some new authority. We're just trying to create a better world, right? Those people are totally with us. Now, trying to put numbers on this, it might be like that's that's 30% of the left. 30, that 70% of the left is like, bup, yup, chup, bup, bup, follow orders, lockstep. But at least a good chunk, and I, I think I'm being generous, but 30% of the left, mostly anti-authoritarian, not in that, you know. Uh, I mean, hold on, wait till you see how generous I am with conservatives. Because okay. now you go to a liberal, huh? Is that, is that you following? Is that all hold true? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then, so then you go to the, you go to the right if you will, as we see split now. And maybe it's 50% anti-authoritarian and 50%, you know, more Trumpian, neocon, you know, march under the strong ruler, leader. You know, they, they want to be a part of the herd. They want to go deep in the pack. You know, there's, there's people who are conservative who are still, by all these other definitions, on the right in America, but are very much authoritarian right. And you go to a place like that, if it's, you know, 50-50, well, then the non-mass people win. But if you go to a liberal-dominated place and it's 70-30, then the pro-mask people win. But overall, let's use accurate language. Let's not say conservative places are the places where COVID's not silly, stupid shit all over the place. But rather include that 30% of the liberals or the left who are genuinely anti-authoritarian and respect that and, and use language that includes them and say it's rural places, it's authority questioning places, it's it's less statist places, it's more libertarian places. Let's recognize that there is that difference, but recognize that there's libertarianism. There's anti-authoritarianism on the left too. I, do you see what I'm trying and to get also at? Also, with the Denver Breckenridge, no, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. Breckenridge, like that whole town, is owned by the ski resort. So, like, it's it is private property. Yeah. Like the whole town is pretty much private property. They can make their own rules. Whereas Denver is pretty much run by the government. They got to do what they're told. So that's I don't think it's a rich versus poor thing. Well, hold on. There is a rich versus poor element separate here as well. And Ant had another thought on that because you said that in some places it was like, uh, well, if you make over $200,000 a year and you pay all your taxes, you, you, you're COVID exempt, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, it, you could see the the... The wealth. I mean, you, you, you see somebody pull up in a $300,000 car in Breckenridge and they get out and they're like, you know, fuck these mask mandates, even though they have signs. And then, you know, it, it was clear that the people with wealth did not feel like any of the rules applied to them. The, the way they're looking at it, like, you know, I spent $100,000 a year here. I'm, I'm going to do what the hell I want to do. And then the rest of the people are like, well... We don't know what we're supposed to do because there are signs, but these people aren't doing it. Should we follow suit? 
And it, it just seemed to me like in, we watch people get out of their cars and not the $300,000 cars, look around, take their masks off like, well, if they're not doing it, I'm not doing it. But you could see a clear divide from the wealth to the people that were me that were just kind of in the middle. They didn't really know what was going on. But the wealthy people, it clearly did not apply. The rules did not apply to them. Their money is what saved them from COVID. Well, and this is just illuminating something that's always been true. If you're super rich, you make the rules. You don't follow the rules. And if you're rich enough to buy your way out of all the petty shit, those rules don't apply to you either. Which tells us what? That the rules are a way that the rich control the poor. What do they say that uh, that laws that affect the poor uh, only and not the rich aren't really or any law that comes with a fine is not really a law because it only affects the poor basically. Uh, laws don't yeah, affect the right. Rich. If, if if they say like jaywalking is punishable by punishable by a hundred dollar fine and you have a billion dollars, well, you're allowed to jaywalk as hundred dollars. Blah blah. Who cares? But yeah, that's and and you make more money crossing the street to get to your meeting of other assholes who are going to use the rules to control poor people to enrich themselves. Yep, exactly. But the real separation—they're not—they're not jaywalking. They're driving around, getting driven around in limos and flying in private jets, right? Yeah. yeah. But otherwise, I mean, Denver, uh, Denver was not bad. I mean, there, I've noticed in the last 10 years, Denver's gone way downhill. I'm, I'm guessing a lot of this is COVID. I'm seeing a lot more homeless than normal and not just in the park. Usually in the park by the Capitol, there's a lot of homeless. Now they're just all over the place. There's people literally knotted out on the sidewalk, just like, you know, from apparent drug use, like laying on the side of the road and like having to drive around people laying in the road, just you know, it's just, it, it's gotten really, really bad. I've, we've seen multiple fights just in the parking lots. Like, everywhere we went, there was a fight. There was, <laughs> I mean, it, it was like, what in the world's going on with Denver? And then I attribute a lot of it to the policies that they're, possibly their mayor, because it was just Denver. In Golden, where I was actually had my camper, it wasn't like that. Everything was, was, I mean, pretty laid back, pretty normal. But you get into Denver proper, and it, and I'm I'm going to blame the mayor. It just is out of control right now. The homelessness and the the drug use rate. And I mean, I'm not talking about smoking pot. That's obviously been legal for quite a while. But it's obvious hard drug use has become a big, big yeah, issue. Yeah, and when when you say that, I, I'm suspect that they might use this as an argument against cannabis. Is there anybody trying to credibly connect? Well, you legalize pot. Next thing you know, you got homeless people in the streets. I mean, Colorado's, I mean, Denver's always had homeless people. And usually the homeless people that I've always met, they're really nice people. I mean, they're just homeless. The The people that I've seen this last trip, I with my, especially with my family, I wouldn't trust necessarily them around my family. They were not really the savory types. And yeah, they, it, I, I don't yeah. think they can blame it on pot. You know, and how I, tall me, are you? Me, I'm about 5'8". Five 5'8". Eight. Five eight. Average American dude, pretty burly. We take People like us just kind of take it for granted that women and children and people who aren't just physically confident as, as burly men, as a low standard of burly men, 
that we don't have to think about being victimized by strangers nearly as much as everybody else. And what you said, you know, is because I, I, I don't have kids. I've never had to protect my own kids that way. I have, I've, I've been entrusted with children a few times in my life, but never for extended periods. Uh, so, but you, you as a, as a father going through that mentality, it's really revealing. And, and I hope that engenders some empathy for people who don't have that because it's like the mask policies cutting off being in public for people who have medical conditions. You know, when you have a homeless problem, when you have a rough society, it's like just a certain part of the population is cut off from that. Kevin Lewis, Wayne, and Podshit have never been illegal. So, Ant, uh, are, are you, do you have a different idea for the comment contest, or, or should we go with that? I like the uh, anything that ends with during a pandemic question mark uh funniest comment what was that one there's was it did you have one up there about uh there carrie espinoza on youtube the people that are homeless here in denver are the same ones as far as i see unless they're from out of state oh maybe what maybe it's just the ongoing problem that that you know you are able to see with fresh eyes well, visiting colorado and seeing i think i think when you live there you probably become numb to what you're seeing for somebody that visits once every every year or every other year, this has definitely been an ongoing problem. And I was just there two years ago, three years ago, and it was still nothing like it is right now. Like it's like post COVID, it's a whole different Denver to me from what I've seen. And I've and I I frequent Denver a lot. It's one of my it was one of my favorite towns to visit. Now I'm leaning more towards some of the suburbs like Boulder or Golden or you know just where I could go into Denver and visit, but I'm not in Denver, you know. People aren't supposed to live like that. I'm not and, and I, I just want to say one more thing about this homelessness issue. Um, because there are a lot of people who try to parse it out different ways. And there are a lot of libertarians who very articulately will deconstruct the root causes and connect them all to government policy. The fact that we have more empty homes, not than families, but then homeless people in America is something that should shock the conscience. But I will tell you, if you look at the situation in the United States, which is homelessness and how we take care of children, homeless children especially, and you go, oh yeah, let's just keep doing what we're doing, this government thing, let's keep trusting those people to handle the problem, you probably don't have much of a conscience. I mean, and you you were in D.C. D.C. was... At Last time I was, on, I was in D.C., it was probably the worst case of homelessness I've ever seen. And I haven't been to D.C. post-COVID. When you go to D.C. and you see billion-dollar building in front of you made of marble, and then a homeless guy sleeping on the front lawn of the White House, it kind of puts that, that you know, the, the gap in wage. It just, it's just crazy to me. The homeless guy, billion-dollar building. Front lawn of the White House, homeless guy sleeping on a steam vent. It's, like, it, I mean, it, is, it's just, it is a shocking misallocation of resources when properly understood leads to untold incalculable human suffering because money, food, water, clothing, shelter, housing resources, et cetera, et cetera, medical care that should be more equitably distributed, that should be going to meet real human needs as expressed by market forces most effectively and efficiently is instead diverted to meet the needs of government 
and not even just the needs of government, because one of the needs of government you're talking about here is to look really impressive and authoritative and have big white marble buildings with tall Roman columns and all sorts of pretty engravings and grandiose statements engraved into them. Because if government doesn't have that, the rest of you might actually realize that this is not a good use of resources. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, well, hey, so Mike, Mike, Mike weighs in here. Washington, D.C. has been a shithole for the last 12 years. I've worked there, and it's been the richest city for the last 12 years. And yet, homeless are everywhere, I say, and yet. There's a headline. We need to get to our COVID block and get this out of. We have a great guest, Jacob Bannon, class, uh, Army vet, also with Homefront Battle Buddies here, uh, board member. But it's like one of the uh, one of the headlines today is, uh, despite vaccines, nursing homes are having a problem with COVID. And it's like, what do you mean, despite? And anyway, let's get into it. And, and uh, keep the comments coming. Any last thoughts before we jump into our COVID block? Nope. We'll go. We'll go with your comment contest. Uh, best best sentence ending with "during a pandemic." I like that one. It's a little bit different. Yeah, what all I had right. Going, but... All right. You can win membership in the Producers Club, and with that, let's take our COVID vitamins and dispense with some more misleading medical information. <laughs> Washington Post at MSN.com with this headline, Anthony Fauci's pandemic emails, colon, quote, all is well, despite some crazy people in the world. Talk about damage control. And what happens, what, what, what they're doing with the Washington Post is writing this puff piece to basically make it look like, oh, yes, we got a window into the great, brave, intelligent, wise work and the life and times of Dr. Anthony S. Fauci over the last year. And it was because there was a Freedom of Information Act request that resulted in 866 pages of Fauci's emails. Uh, and they were obtained by the Washington Post. Um, and, and I wonder if this is, you know, obviously there, there are a lot of confluent dynamics of corruption within this story. But I wonder if uh, somebody else actually goes through those 866 pages and finds something a little more interesting. I trust you'll send me an email. Let me know. We'll get to that this week. Adam at thefreedomline.com. Next, another one from Anthony Fauci at thedailymail.com. Dr. Fauci cashes in on COVID with book release on truth an appearance in Disney-backed documentary despite flip-flopping on mask-wearing and Wuhan lab theory. Fauci's book is going to be called Expect the Unexpected, colon, 10 Lessons on Truth, Service, and the Way Forward. Yeah, uh, at least they're calling this appropriately what it is, is, is cashing in. Um, Fauci will also be the subject of a National Geographic docu documentary biopic scheduled for release later this year. Uh, by the way, the book, 10 Lessons on Truth, Service, and the Way Forward, is only 80 pages. I thought Freedom was a short book at 100 pages, 80 pages. And he's doing, that's, 
That's only eight pages per lesson. They just released 866 pages of his email. I wonder which is going to be a better read. <laughs> uh, controlling interest National Geographic is held by Walt Disney. That's why they're calling this a Disney-backed. Um, and uh, Disney ex-Disney boss Bob Iger, extremely supportive of having cameras following Fauci last year. The projects prove that Fauci looks set to stay as a prominent public figure even after the pandemic is over. But you know what? I, if I had to make a prediction, I don't think his, his positive reputation is going to last very long. And if anything, it went from nothing to all positive to just negative creeping up, creeping up. And the more people learn the truth about him, the more you realize that, that he is the worst kind of corrupt government bureaucrat profiteer. I think he, this is his big score to set himself up for his retirement because his credibility is going to be shot. He's going to have a big pile of money. He's going to be in a high demand public speaker for, for at least a while. Uh, but in terms of being able to actually do anything that involves people other than, you know, authoritarian sycophants or people who weren't putting on a show for government or whatever other, you know, authoritarian organization they're supporting. I, I think Fauci, there's, there are going to be a few, just like, you're going to see this propaganda piece. And then there's going to be an answer to it. Someone is going to do the other documentary about Fauci. And it's going to tell the actual truth, not another puff piece. France24.com, COVID origins mystery continue to spark speculation and tension. The coronavirus SARS-CoV-2 has scorched its way across the world, killing millions and bringing economies to a standstill. But where exactly did it come from? With few clear answers, speculation has persisted since the beginning of the pandemic, spawning misinformation and conspiracy theories, as well as sharp diplomatic tensions. Devins, I see a lot of great comments coming here. Devins and W. He who tells the most lies during a pandemic wins the prize of being the most truthful, according to trust authorities. Yeah, that'd, that'd be one, one way of putting it. Um, dear, where is that yellow thing under your hat? There? Oh, that, that yeah. fun yellow thing. Yeah, you might want that right about now. All right, go. we got like 10 minutes, less than 10 minutes to get through a lot of COVID headlines. Let's see if we can do it. DNYUZ, will the Excelsior Pass, New York vaccine passport, catch on? And I'm like, fuck no. But then I'm like, wait, Excelsior! <laughs> what, what does that make you think of? Al Gore. In the South Park episode about Man Bear Pig, when he when he leaves and he's got a cape, oh, Excelsior! Right <laughs> on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, a well-heeled crowd flashed it to get into a socially distant dance performance at Park Avenue Armory in Chelsea. People showed it to attend a John Mulaney stand-up set at City Winery. And you know, I've always been, I've always been a little apprehensive about listening to John Mulaney. I mean, he's funny, but he does represent a seemingly complicit perspective. And now he's, 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 he is hosting. I mean, if, you're, if it's your stand-up set, you're John Mulaney, you're the headliner. You're basically requiring people to get uh, a vaccine passport and get the vaccine and get poisoned and compromise, compromise their health. Because government, uh, in order to see your show, um, it, 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 in order to, to hear your jokes, like, uh, I just, I, 
I have a heart. I mean, there's so many other comedians. We've had them on this show. We're going to be talking about Owen Benjamin today. Carrie Espin knows we got screwed during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, we are going to, uh, I, I just, I guess John Mulaney just became a lot less funny to me. Unintentionally. It happens. They have a speakeasy style bar that only admits vaccinated guests. The magic ticket is New York State's Excelsior Pass. Which was introduced in March as the first and only government issued vaccine passport in the country, accessible now only to people who have been vaccinated in the state. And whether we like it or not, this racket, even if we are not personally directly affected by it, we are greatly all affected by the compartmentalization of society, by the fear, the anxiety, the separation, the division all the ways that we are led to be not just afraid of each other, but to institutionalize divisions between human beings that are completely unnecessary. Whoop-de-doo, cop shot more people during a pandemic? Yeah. Reuters.com, Israel sees probable link between Pfizer vaccine and myocarditis cases. I just told you to wait. Just wait. Just wait on the vaccines. Unless you have a really compelling reason. You've done all your research. And I'll say it every day. Because this is the best I can do for your health. Fucking wait. Please. Fucking wait. Don't get and you know what else? Your car. If you're a woman. Or you want to have kids. Uh, don't be around vaccine. I mean, I can't. It, it's not practical. Unless, you, unless you're already kind of a shut-in. This might not be a shift for you. You know, I, my my policies. I don't want to. I don't want to share a living space with with vaccinated people right now, because of the shedding risk, and and not just be, not really so much for me, but for the sake of, of my partner who who wants to have kids and female reproductive systems with clotting and clotting. You're hearing this is a theme now as as the side effect. This is one of them. Do we know what the long term effects are on women's ability to reproduce after getting the vaccine or being around someone? What's worse is that the people who got the vaccine are the ones who really need to be isolating themselves because they're the ones who are known to be toxic. That they have by, like, think about this. I mean, do I, I, I shouldn't have to explain this to anybody here, but if you get flu-like symptoms and you're coughing and sneezing and putting out droplets as a side effect from the from the vaccine, you're shedding something. I don't want. Do you want that? Do you want those boogers on you? Is it okay? Are you are you saying those vaccine side effect boogers are okay, but natural virus boogers those those are droplets that need to be contained. Daily Mail scientists reveal the global hotspots where the new coronaviruses are likely to emerge with China at the top of the list. Conditions are ripe for coronaviruses to transmit from bats to humans in China. Forest fragmentation, livestock production, there bring humans close to bats. I mean, be afraid of bats. Be afraid of China. I mean, this is like this. Uh, but now there's a, there's a different effort. because It's the Indian variant mutation that's sweeping England. And so there's an effort apparently to destigmatize based on country. So the headline from the New York Times, the coronavirus variant discovered in India has a new name, Delta. If you haven't yet mastered the name of the latest coronavirus variants to set nations on edge, B.1.617.2 is evolutionary 
Well, I'll just call it the neuron. The WHO has proposed a solution. Yes. Now we have a more convenient way to pass on propaganda because apparently people are afraid enough because only 40-something percent of Americans have been fully vaccinated. And that's if you believe the government's numbers in the first place. So, yeah. Washington Post, the pandemic is getting worse, even when it seems like it's getting better. Uh, we're just going to skip that one. AP, despite vaccines, nursing homes struggle with outbreaks. And this is what I was telling you, like, oh, really? Dis despite hitting my head in this brick wall, my forehead hurts for some reason. I, 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 can't, I can't, just doesn't make any, I mean, I just, I've been hitting my head on this wall over and over again. And for some reason, my head hurts. I don't get it. I, despite me, I, I hope I don't have to like spoon feed you all this shit to put these things together. Despite vaccines, nursing homes struggle with outbreaks. Okay. D. Vincent W. Smokey Bear Voice. Only, only you can prevent truth during a pandemic by perpetuating lies. <laughs> Wait, are you saying that government would lie to us? During a pandemic? <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, for many workers, change in mask policy is nightmare. This is dnyuc.com. And, you know, I, I do make a point, you know, and, and when, especially in food service places, if I'm traveling groceries, interacting with staff that have to wear masks. Although, hey, Walmart yesterday, Prescott staff. Not wearing masks. Nice. Fucking awesome. Uh, no masks in the dispensary. Yeah, no ma oh, in the dispensary. Yes, Arizona dispensaries. Oh, or at least I will, and I, I with this, I will, I will plug SWC, SWC dispensary in Prescott, Arizona. If you live in northern Arizona, uh, if you're like us, kind of halfway between or equal distant from. Flagstaff and Prescott, go to Prescott, go to SWC, go south, don't go, or if, if, if you're in between, like, if you're that area, I don't know, there might, I'm not going to endorse them as, like, they're the best pot shop in Arizona. I will say um, they, they there might be something better in Phoenix, but I'm pretty sure they're they're better than anything in Flagstaff. Yeah. And anything that, that I've experienced in Kingman recently, SWC dispensary in Prescott, it's where I like to shop locally. I think maybe, I got maybe, the cheapest maybe, house in Arizona you know, yesterday, too, Ooh. by the way. Yeah. And and they, they aren't Karen's about anything. But so yesterday, yeah, even I, when they were doing so, I contrast to the places that I went in Flagstaff. One of them was okay about it. Like, we're sorry, but we really do have to do this. I'm like, you could at least use honest language. Yeah, SWC so right? was like, would I, you I, mind? I, and right, right. And the, the, the other one, and I, the, the other one in Flagstaff freaked out and like you're rude wouldn't even talk about it like well, just asking like hey do you guys respect me after i put it on it was compliant got nothing but rudeness swc and prescott has always been chill even when they felt like they had to do it their their respect for medical conditions is if you're wearing your nose out in the shot like we're not gonna be everything but they, that is an embodiment I, of the values. I tried to walk in. I forgot I had my knife on me yesterday. And I tried to walk in with that big six-inch blade. Weren't even dicks about that. Hey, would you mind if we hold your knife at the front desk until you're done shopping? Totally. It was that simple. Nobody had to get upset. It's that simple. Yeah. Would you mind? And, and, you, and if you had said, I, I had dropped her off to run to the Walmart. Mm -hmm. And if you had said, I'll put it in my car. car. They would have been like, cool. we'll yeah. hold it. Don't worry. 
Anyway, uh, I assume our guest is backstage, Miss Prepper, Adam Kogut for governor of Arizona. Ooh. I don't want to be. See, thing is, like, I don't want to be. Like, it's, it's people have asked me to run for sheriff. And it's like if if we broke off from the county, you know, and and we were uh, Juniper Wood County as opposed to Yavapai. I, I don't want to be sheriff of Prescott and Prescott Valley in Sedona. I and I love those cities and I love those communities. But do I want to serve as law enforcement? You know in these, uh, you know, relatively, you know, political, I mean, and they're great compared to the mainstream. They're still on the freedom side, but, you know, do I want to be law enforcement for people who want me to, for a large part, enforce victimless crimes? No, I, and that would be the fight. I don't want to do that. Um, you know, people like, do I want to, do I want to be governor of Arizona? Do I, want, do I want to sit there and run the state government as a subsidiary of the feds where my job at best as a libertarian is to make sure that law enforcement and everything in the state is not enforcing victimless crimes and that we're getting as much money of our taxes back from the feds as has been stolen from us and keep the feds out of the state? Like, no, I don't want to be president, remember? Remember I when I ran, my platform was, I'll be president long enough to sign the paper to say no more presidents. And that's it. All right, so uh, Psychic Taxi weighs in. Carrie Lake for governor. Yeah, someone who wants, like, that job, I'm sure. Uh, Wall Street Journal, business travel is coming back. How much business travel returns is an urgent question for airlines, which rely on it for a huge share of their revenue. There have been some very interesting stories in terms of uh, COVID incentives. In West Virginia, they're giving away trucks, guns, and money, according to CNN.com. Uh, Jim is backstage getting the guest plugged in while I wrap up these headlines. Naturalnews.com has a Pfizer uh, confidential uh, memo that was published in Japanese, translated to English. And I mean, I, I oh, we've got the dot. Yeah, we. Every it's like yeah, one more thing to back us up. But this is a big one. So thank you to Mike Ma Mike Adams and Naturalnews.com for what they are doing again. Skimming a lot of COVID. We've we got a huge, awesome grab bag today. we got a great guest. We're going to be skimming a lot of headlines today. But yeah, there's that article or there's that, that document. I'm going to be getting into that. I'm saving that one more for myself. I'm going to get into that later. TheGuarding.com, end of England, COVID lockdown on 21 June, increasingly in doubt. In India, France24.com with this headline, Indian doctors protest yoga beats COVID guru. You know, this is like, they should buy our substandard services, not his superior services that say you should work out and exercise and be healthy. You should be unhealthy so we as doctors have more business. Yeah. There have been a lot of stories like this. I, I love this guy. I, I, this is how I'm trying to grow my hair out. Okay. Indian guru style. <laughs> it's going to be gnarly. Uh, NBC News, cruise lines and Florida Governor DeSantis square off over vaccine passports. Cruise lines are eager to set sail, but a new law championed by Governor Ron DeSantis banning so-called vaccine passports may keep them anchored or not. Uh, DeSantis is still generally a corrupt politician, but uh, with his posturing, genuinely pulling on the side of freedom in this general COVID bullshit narrative. Uh, BBC, COVID-19 UK in early stages of third wave. 
space dash space sign. Wait, I forgot there was a colon in the middle of this headline. COVID-19 colon UK in early stages of third wave space dash space scientist. We are scientists is my favorite brand because I got to see them live a few times in college and they went to the same schools. <laughs> Wall Street Journal, the pandemic made kids' eyesight worse, doctors say. Yeah, for all the parents out there who are, are struggling yeah. right now, if this wasn't enough, uh, we now have decisive evidence that the increased screen time is taking a measurable toll on our children's health. Kevin Lewis points out Adam is already king, king of gardenia might be a governor and be a, be a demotion. Gardenia is a free land without corruption. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, we are the country with um, the lowest crime rate, the lowest poverty rate, uh, the lowest government rate, uh, zero corruption as a result. Um, that's about it. Yeah. Pretty nice yeah, place no, to live. No violent crime. No vi zero violent crime. Well, sometimes the animals rough each other up. It's cats and dogs. Actually, Gardenia is such a magical country, even the cats and dogs get along. He's correct. The kittens and the kittens dogs. and puppies. Cats and puppies. Dogs and kitties. Kitties and puppies, cats and dogs. Getting along. All get along here in Gardena. And with that misleading medical advice, let's get to our guests. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is none other than Jacob Vandenplass, who I had the honor of meeting and hearing speak at the Wisconsin Libertarian Party State Convention just a couple months ago, and got to see him elected to vice chair. He's yeah, my my my, uh, my condolences for your victory again, sir, but also for uh, your recent promotion as interim chair of the Wisconsin LP. Uh, relatively new activist jumping in with both feet. Um, I, I wouldn't say that the Wisconsin LP made a mistake having someone so young in his activism years at the helm. But uh, Jacob has certainly been a rising star in party activism and put in the time to have built the credentials to be a, uh, a capable state party chair, which is no insignificant feat. He is also running for Congress, representing the Libertarian Party in the 8th Congressional District of Wisconsin. He also happens to be, as you can tell from the stupid look on his face, a 13-year National Guard veteran. Yeah, I got you there. Uh, with two tours in Iraq, running convoy security, shipyard, electrician, and pipe fitter, organic produce farmer, which is really just a beautiful lifestyle. Uh, I mean, brother from another mother, if you don't see the parallels in life path here, you know, I'm ahead on some things, he's ahead on some things, but a lot, a lot of similar directions here. And now uh, with, with what he does, uh, with, with his farm homestead in Wisconsin and, and working with veterans is beautiful. Uh, similarly motivated by what we are now doing together here at my place in Armenia, making this uh, a home for home front battle buddy. So Jacob, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on today. 
Well, thank you for having me. And I uh, can definitely test to your cats and dogs getting along. <laughs> <laughs> they could even like to snuggle right into your sleeping bag with you in the middle of the night. <laughs> yes, we the, the scorpion cats of Gardenia not only catch and eat scorpions alive, they are rugged outdoor cats that love people. Um, so, yes, uh, Jake had the honor of sharing a sleeping bag with our black cat, Shadow. He's really a special. He's like a dog's brain and a human personality. But anyway, enough about that. More important things. Go to my Instagram at the Garden of Freedom. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, so, Jake, I don't know. There, you, you, there are a few big topics that I want to cover in your activism, but I, I would like you to start with with retelling the the personal story of, of discovering cannabis and, and being on the verge of suicide that you shared in your speech speech at the, the Wisconsin convention and you know whatever appropriate background you need to uh, make that story make sense. Yeah, it was uh, I struggled coming home just about the same as a lot of people did and uh probably for the better part of a decade i was in and out of the va getting counseling and uh a lot in and out of the va uh, i tried to get help as soon as i could with the va as soon as i got home i didn't land with that and it simply wasn't working uh they had me on multiple different antidepressants they had me on prescriptions to counter effect uh, side effects of other prescriptions they had me on adhd medication it was just a nightmare. I think at one time it was up to almost six different medications. And uh, I was drinking super heavily, several failed relationships. And I'm sure I'm not the only guy who's gone down this road. But uh, I was dating a girl up in Menominee, Michigan. And uh, she came home from work one day. And I was sitting there with my 12 pack like normal and three sheets to the wind and playing with my pistol, contemplating suicide yet again. And she offered me a joint. And uh, I actually protested at first, saying, because I was still in the National Guard, I can't do this. She goes, look at you right now. She goes, if you do what you're thinking about doing, the National Guard isn't going to matter anyways. So I smoked it. And after I smoked it, I raided the refrigerator and had <laughs> a wonderful time. <laughs> but uh, I went to sleep that night, and I had slept like I hadn't slept before. So then the next night after that, I smoked a little bit before crawling into bed and I slept again and I kept going down that path because it worked. I was able to get sleep and able to get that sleep was able to help me with uh, all the mental illnesses that I was dealing with, with the PTSD and depression, anxiety. I was able to combat all that simply because I was able to get adequate sleep at night and has been truly transformational for me. Uh, it's been about six years now. And um, I've gone from basically homeless, living in poverty, to sitting in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin on a 40-acre farm, valued at about $400,000 and climbing with the current market. And uh, we've got our, one of our very first veterans coming out here for a little veterans retreat ourselves in a couple of weeks to help get his hands in the dirt and get some farm therapy for them. So it's been a great adventure. And the key to all of this was cannabis. You know, I, I, there's so much I want to comment on there, but you know, the sleep thing has been something that I, I, you know, I still, as a veteran and maybe 
maybe more from PTSD from dealing with cops than combat at this point, you know. But it, the, yeah. the sleep thing is so huge. And there, there, there's a certain anxiety. And, and, and I hope this is a place where in, in health consciousness, veterans can really take the lead because we do face a lot of uh, stressors that impede sleep. And as, as young soldiers, perhaps, are more capable of enduring that kind of deprivation. But, you know, according to, um, I'm just looking at, you know, random statistics from Gallup from 2013, in the U.S., 40% get less than recommended amount of sleep, hours of sleep similar to recent decades, but much, much lower than 1942. Jim, Mayor Jane, uh, thank you for your service to humanity. Uh, yeah, okay, so we, we're having fun with the comments in this. I appreciate that. Um, and, and a lot of people have had really positive experiences with cannabis, and, and I think there is a huge generational shift here you go back to World War II, coming home wasn't available. Now, Vietnam, partially Gulf War, even, even here, we look at our generation of veterans of you know, global war on terror events. When I got out in 2006, cannabis was not really a thing. I mean, it's been... 15 no. years since I left the Marines and I, I feel so good that but I'm a big part of the motivation is like we need to get this to everybody now we cannot wait on this any longer um, I mean how many veterans are there out there who didn't have that person in their life to hand them that joint why not because that person was made afraid to share or to possess because of government and that's the biggest holdup I've seen a lot of times is veterans have jobs. And if they get past, they're going to stuck with a random drug test. Well, they're, they're literally forced to choose between a medicine that helps them sleep and their livelihood. And that happens regularly over and over and over again. Now, and I've had to go stints without it specifically for that reason, or to pass a drug test to be able to even get a job. And the tremendous. Another thing that I, uh, that I noticed the most is that I don't really have any nightmares anymore either when I'm smoking cannabis. The nightmares, yeah, go, no, all I, the nightmares I, go away. I just sleep soundly yeah. as, as a baby. It's beautiful. It, it's worth pointing out that the focus here is not cannabis because cannabis is one alternative medicine that has been made and it is not a cure-all one of the things that's that's almost a side effect is it makes you less connected in your from your dream state you don't remember your dream if your dream if, if your dreams are really fucking you up that's a really important good thing for symptom control but it's it's really about you know getting even deeper with with therapy with talk therapy with psychedelics and even pharmaceuticals like mdma or ketamine that empower and, and, and facilitate that talk therapy that gets you to that deeper state of, state of centeredness of not really needing cannabis. And, and, and that's kind of the goal here is to be back to a fully centered human being who, who uses drugs uh, as, as all humans should conscientiously as a life enhancer rather than as a crutch or, or an escape. Um, so I don't know. I didn't, yeah. didn't expect to go that deep down that. Um, but, but Jacob, I, I know that this is 
a really critical way that that as a candidate uh you're able to connect with voters in wisconsin so uh, uh tell us how you know this it's not you, you don't always get to tell the average voter on the street this story so uh yeah. how are you connecting with voters and, and and how does your personal background play into that uh, right now, the biggest push that I have with voters is that we have a major problem right now with our school systems still uh, mandatory mandating masks. And a lot of parents have been really, really upset about this. So I've actually been going out and speaking at several different school boards and threatening to recall these school boards and help the parents go through and, and organize elections if they continue to make the mask mandatory. These parents are having their kids coming home with uh, gingivitis all over their teeth, yeast infections all over their face, sinus infections, eye infections. Mm. It's really just disheartening to see. Oh, and, hold on a second, Jacob. This is this is yeah. this. You know, we did a big COVID blog today, twice a week. We we try to make sure that COVID is contained on Adam versus yeah. the man. It's it's just, just to those blocks at least. Somehow it leaks <laughs> out all over the show. Um, I understand. But, and we've talked about the, the psych psychological side effects with kids, the, the actual physical side effects of wearing a mask, and that, that comes with a lot, a lot of psychological scarring for kids, too. But do, do we have is – is this something you're sharing, like, anecdotally as a problem with parents with mask kids in Wisconsin? Are, are we, do we have statistics yet to back this up? How can you substantiate that? Because I don't think we've covered that really at all. Uh, as far as statistics and not, I don't have any statistics. This is the, all the information I have is specifically talking with parents directly about what's happening with their specific children. So this is all coming directly from parents. And I've now spoken at four different school boards and all except for one have gone mask optional. And we have the next meeting at Howard Swamico is on the 7th. We're hoping that they go mask optional as well. And we're also organizing several different uh, recall elections on, on behalf of these parents as well. But uh, as far as actual statistics, I, I don't have that. But this is all information that I have on COVID is, is talking directly with parents about the issues that they're having with their kids. Uh, a lot of the mental health that is happening with their kids, the depression that's happening with their children. So it's, uh, it's, it's breaking my heart that we don't have any politicians whatsoever at the local level, state level, or congressional level that's even making an attempt to hear the concerns of these parents. So we're simply going out and meeting people where they're at uh, and trying to help them with the concerns that are facing them the most as far as being able to grab the, uh, spread the reach of the campaign. Uh, we also do a lot of farmers markets to help reach uh, different customers and stuff like that to spread the word of the campaign. So every farmer's market I go to when we're growing produce and stuff here, we do about three farmer's markets a week, sometimes four. And Door County, Wisconsin here is a tremendous, it's a big tourist city. So it's the Cape Cod of the Midwest. We've got the shipyards. We've got sailboats. We've got mom and pop shops all over Sturgeon Bay and all the little towns way up north. And being able to be a part of that and actually talking with people about liberty and, and individual rights has been a tremendous push for me. So it's a great adventure to be on, and we're going to continue moving forward. We've got some campaign events set up and over the summer months here, specifically in regards to education. 
and uh, what we'd like to do with that in Congress. Uh, we're partnering up with a gubernatorial candidate and a couple of assemblymen all kind of together speaking at these events and it's some good stuff. So about the lifestyle that you've embraced as a result of all of this experience, uh, I, I, I don't even know what term, you're, you're an ag guy, you're a homesteader, you're a grow your own food guy. But what, what, what term, I mean, to me, for me, it's all homesteading, of, you know, designing a life yeah. from the ground up to, 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 to match your will free of expectations of others. How, how would, what labels, how would you describe that for yourself? And what, what guided you to, to the form that it takes now? Uh, self-made is probably the term that comes to mind. It's, there's something to be said about the harder you work, the more you make. And the more that you produce, the more people that you can reach. When you're working for somebody else, you're working to make somebody else rich. You're not working to get your own pockets filled up. You'll always be limited. You'll always be capped. Here on the farm, I've got 40 acres, uh, one great big square, not a lot of trees, big open field, but we've got two greenhouses, 32 by 96. We've got roughly another acre and a half opened up to farm produce. We've got 10 pigs going right now, all, all currently sold. Three goats, uh, probably 120 chickens or so, give or take. An additional 25 meat chickens on top of that. Couple of ducks, cups of turkeys. We got barn cats running all over the place. But just to be able to simply be out here and amongst the animals. I mean, I, for some reason, I can't keep my goats inside the fence. Those little bastards escape all the time. But uh, it all. It, then we let the dogs out, and the dogs are playing with the goats, and they're playing with the cats, and everything's all you know unison and in harmony. And it's it's a beautiful thing to be a part of. And it all exists because of my own blood, sweat, and tears. Nothing's been handed to me. And it's it's really something to be a part of. And it's hard to explain that the details and, and the therapy that comes with, and it's, some of you may be shocked to hear the word therapy thrown into it, but when you're able to be outside with your hands in the dirt, actively growing stuff, whether it's animals or whether it's produce, it is very, very rewarding. And I'm yeah, so, outside from the sun up until sundown every day. And it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, about that that word therapy, I, it's funny how it's coming into like a greater acceptance as a general term. And I, yeah. the only thing I don't like about it is that it suggests healing as opposed to enhancement. Like I get my daily fur baby therapy. I go hang out with my dogs and my cats and my puppies and my kittens, you know, and, and, and I, that, that's my, is it my fur baby therapy or is it just, no, like as a healthy human being, my life is enhanced by interacting with animals and stepping out of the human consciousness and being empathetic and sympathetic to something of a different species and, and, and being able to have, a soul-to-soul -soul connection that is not based on like a, a human conversation or intellectual connection is that my therapy is everybody everybody like everybody who has a dog whose life is made better by having a dog is not getting therapy so i don't, I don't know but for things that are healing you know let's talk about cannabis as therapy mushrooms as therapy all these alternative therapies that veterans need that don't have access to right now that a lot of us are fighting for but that that's a bit of an aside I, I want to ask first as a setup to getting kind of back to the issues 
quickly, relatively, because I know any anybody who can answer this question could take a few hours to answer it. But what does it mean to be a libertarian to you, Jacob? <laughs> to be a libertarian, it's all individual rights and getting the government the hell out of your life. People deserve to live free as they were designed to live free by their creator, whoever you think that creator is. And if I can actively get to Congress and get government out of people's lives and actively dismantle the big just shit pile we currently have going right now, it would be a great honor. Okay, we so need to have more. Quick, quick litmus test. You're on board with the letter and spirit of the statement of principles, believe in the voluntary ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So given that, given your, your ideological credentials being established now as well, uh, your platform on your website, jakeliberty2022.com. Please check this out. If you want to follow along, pull it up. There's a, there's a, I really like your platform page. You know, I think it's one, it, it, it's a funny existential challenge that we as libertarian candidates often face is taking this ideal and going, what can I do in this position? How do I win people over to vote for me to give me this little piece of authority with the confidence that I'm going to do this and do my best to serve them with it or destroy the unjustness of the authority itself? Um, and, and how do we communicate that uh, in, in practical policy when, when as ideologues we're so concerned with, give, give me your ideological agreement and tell me you're an ethical person first and then we can talk. And it's like, no, no, no. Well, we have to work together before we can get to that point. And that's the challenge of libertarians. How do we get people to see an immediate vision that we can work towards for a greater society, for more peace and justice and freedom? And uh, well, or, or in your case, I guess I guess what you came up with is freedom, justice, liberty. OK, great talking points. But your platform page, uh, preamble, principles, list of issues and and conclusion. I, I really like that. You, you think about the uh, someone comes to your website, average voter. Oh, I want to read a paragraph on this platform page. It's there in the preamble. I want principles. I want issues. I want to spend a few minutes. It, it, it's there. How did you come to this? And, and tell we what from your from your relatively little experience, but your experience now as a candidate and a, and a party officer. Uh, how did you come up with this? And and how is it serving to connect with voters? Me uh, is actually uh, designed jointly with Mr. Tony Mullen, who have, uh, was the chairman prior to me. He's taking a little hiatus from his activism and stuff right now to iron out some family issues, which great dude. We great shouldn't activist. be doing that. Looking forward to having him back. Yeah, he's he's a great man, and he's helped me out tremendously with this. I am relatively new to the whole thing, and every time he started talking, I just soaked it up like a sponge. We te tweaked a little bit, and we put it up on the uh, up on our website, and we're starting to take it to run. The biggest issue I've got right now is getting people to actually get to the website. Uh, I'm only one guy doing what I can with what I got, speaking, you know, setting up these speaking events. But when we only have 10 people or so show up at these speaking events, it's hard to really start getting it pushed across. Uh, we are branching out. Yeah, there she goes. But um, we've got a golf outing coming this Saturday. We're going to be taking a pile of cards there and handing them out. But it's really been uh, interesting to see how this is starting to come together. But the more and more I talk with other individuals that have run campaigns and stuff before, like yourself, I'm picking up 
details here and details there on how to organize my campaign and take it to the next step. So the next big push we're going to have is we're going to get uh, compile some lists together of uh, past donors to the Republican and Democratic Party, and we're going to start cold calling them. And when they say no or ask for more information, we're going to pass them to the website and get the uh, website pushed into their uh, into their feed there, and uh, hopefully they start sparking some questions, sparking some light. And if we can just get them to answer one question, that door's opened up, and we're just going to guide them right in and show people how liberty is the wave of the future. That's I, I, I love everything that you represent coming together around this congressional race. Jake, um, I, I really appreciate your time this morning. Anything else you want to share? I mean, the platform is yours. You got the website up there. Obviously, if you support the Libertarian Party, I believe that an investment in Jacob right now in this campaign in uh, is, is a really good investment, not just because I've, I haven't looked at the details of his race. I won't lie and say, oh, the demographics, he's going to get at least 10% or he's got a shot at, no, but investing in this message and this activism and this campaign, I think is one that the LP needs to put a little more effort behind. So check it out, jakeliberty2022.com. Throw them a few bucks if you can. If you can volunteer, give them a few hours online. I'm pretty sure you're going to learn something from this guy, too, as I have. So, Jake, anything you want to say in closing, brother? Thank you much. I definitely appreciate the time in the spotlight. I love you, man. And we're going to talk soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, brother. All right. Let's check back in with our co-host, Ant, and our comments. I know I missed a few. I think I think GI Mary Jane has been here also trying to get some comments up on screen. Is there were there were there any critical ones I had to read that I missed there? And anything you wanted me to to get into the record? No, I, not really any critical ones. I mean, there's there was a couple that that were posted that I mean they were cute, but they weren't like like stand out. You know, um, I think right now uh, in the lead we probably have uh, D W Vincent with uh, only you can prevent truth during a uh, pandemic. Yeah, um, I, I think I got him beat, though. You got to beat my line. My, my line was, are you saying that government would lie to us during a pandemic? Yeah. Yeah, but we can't give you access to the Producers Club. You are, you're, you're you. <laughs> I think Daryl's already in there, too. So as of right now, we're an hour and a half into the show. We got 30 minutes to go. Our leader in the Producers Club contest comment, win a membership in the Producers Club comment contest for today is already a member. And if not, Daryl's Daryl's done enough for the show. Daryl's in there, isn't he? Anyway, uh, someone's got to come up with a funnier line, though, than you know, government. Yeah, we, there's ones. definitely going to be some funnier <laughs> ones, guys. Let's keep those coming in. Uh, our last guest was great, by the way. Uh, wanted to thank him for his service, like I do all of our all of our veterans. Um, oh, I, would say, yeah, I thought you were going to say all of our Libertarian Party candidates. Because that's a that's a rougher, more righteous well, service than being in the military for most. I know. I know. I, I agree with you. And uh, I think it was you who said that uh, uh, it, was a, it was a few years ago in one of your, your shows and interviews that basically you feel like anybody that joins the military does brainwashed. You know, you go in there, you're going to fight for this cause, and you get there and you realize you're fighting for somebody else's cause. So, well, there, there's a simpler thing to say that appreciates the experience without the misled intent, which is just welcome home. 
And I say, I say it, you went off to training and came back and was a welcome home. You know, you did it because for righteous reasons, you, whatever, doesn't matter what you think about it. You know, welcome home. Uh, thank you for your service is playing their linguistic game. That's what they want you to say. They want you to, they want yeah. you to use language that reinforces the false idea that being in the military is serving anybody other than bankers, politicians, and war profiteers. And that, that's why I have such a strong objection to those words. Thank you for your service. Uh, also, all the ways that it's not lived up to by government when they say it. But welcome home. This is just an absolutely more appropriate, positive thing. But for every Libertarian Party officer and candidate, thank you for your service. It's very appropriate. Oh, and with yeah. that, and keep the comments coming. We're going to get to the rest of our grab bag today. I want to point one other thing out from okay, something else before we go? No. Nope. All right. Thank you. We'll check back in with you in a few minutes. Uh, Gal, I want, one other thing I want to share with for, for about that sleep thing because there's a big sidebar for me i wanted i wanted to pull jacob into um but that that little part of the story i slept like never before right and he kind of glossed over that almost because what he would have been saying before was not just oh i had nightmares I had nightmares it's normal a nightmare every if you, if you have a healthy dream remembrance having a weird one every now and then, having some Anxiety manifests as a nightmare every now and then. That's that's normal and healthy. But getting insufficient sleep, waking up tired, not being able to go to sleep, having all of the physiological, just physical health consequences because of that. It's a whole other ball game. And I have slowly gotten back to a point where from my deployment back in 2004, 17 fucking years ago at this point. And I'm still not perfect, but I am I am at least confident and comfortable with where I'm at with my sleep habits and you know, sleep hygiene. Uh, but I, I, there's no reason that I, I, I have lived uh, with, with this significant reduction quality of life since 2004. There's no reason that it's, I mean, I, I guess. Well, how long can I say it got me to the point where I could say it? To I would describe it as I as I am right now. Maybe a decade. I mean, I've I've been mostly comfortable in that sense where I'm at with my sleep for the last more than the last few years. But why? Why did I have to suffer with that? Because because pot was illegal, so the drug war could continue. So they I, they're like. And, and I, I've actually asked for, they, they have this thing called the sleep study at the VA where they have you can like sleep in a room and I monitor you and time in and some stuff like that. They wouldn't do it for me. I've asked. I had to do one and it was bunk. So if that makes this you is, any better. Oh, okay. It didn't help me. Didn't help you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they do these for, my, my sleep wasn't bad enough by the time I asked for help. Yeah, that was it. Oops. Yeah, no, no, you're okay, Adam. That's what they told me. Like, no, no, these sleep studies, we don't have enough. And, and I'm like, I, I didn't push it because their answer was, we do, yes, we do this, we offer this, but we don't have enough for everybody who wants it. And you're not in our more severe cases. <laughs> I'm like, yes, that is very fucked up. But yes, I will. If 
assuming that is mostly true. I'm not going to ask again. Uh, but we are organizing Home for Battle Buddies then in order to uh, make sure that every veteran uh, who wants to do a week-long retreat and get stoned in the woods with us here in Gardenia and, and get help from a sleep coach if that's what they need, they'll have the opportunity to do that. All right. We have one second before we get to our grab bag headlines that we are really going to skip through today because we are behind. But we have a little bear segment. Here's this yeah. bear segment. Coloradoan. Coloradoan.com. Man seriously injured in bear attack outside Steamboat Springs. Wow. Sunday night, a bear attacked him at his home garage, according to Colorado Parks and Wildlife. 11 p.m., he noticed his garage door open, went to close the door, found a sow and two cubs. When he tried to back away, the sow attacked him. He had severe lacerations to head and legs, underwent surgery, but the injuries are not believed to be life-threatening. So a mild mauling. <laughs> Apparently, he had birdseed and other attractants in his garage. Uh, whoop de doo people still praying to fake gods during a pandemic. <laughs> no, that, ooh, new leader, new leader. If whoop de doo hasn't won yet, whoop de doo on YouTube, thank you, Pete. It'd be, I, I would tweak it a little bit because give me during the pandemic question, uh, you know, going to church or during listening, listening, going to church, listening to government officials. Singing? People are still worshiping false gods during a pandemic. <laughs> yes, but I see the deeper point there. Good one. Good one. Good one. All right. Next up in our bear segment from CBS to KCAL 9 Los Angeles, push an apex predator man, colon, teenage girl bites off bear to that. rescue dogs Everything in Bradbury. Yes. <coughs> Excuse me. This Memorial Day will be hard to forget for one teenager who fought off a bear to protect her dogs in Bradbury. Video of the encounter was posted by the girl's cousin. Can we get this up? Sitlily Morinicho to Instagram. The video Morinico. The video starts with a mother bear and two cubs casually walking from under a tree along the top of a block wall before several dogs run up parking. A large black dog fearlessly confronts the mother bear who swats back three times as her cubs scramble away. Three smaller dogs continue to bark at the bear and one nearly gets caught by one of the bear's paws. That's when the 17-year-old Haley Morinico runs up and pushes the bear. She falls to her knees from the effort, but also causes the bear to lose its balance from the top of the wall. Jim, do, do we have this? Is this is great. And, and she's such like this unassuming looking little girl, too. We have to watch her. Like, I'm assuming we don't have it. Jim? No? No? Yes? video of it i see a video of some girl talking in front of her camera i don't see a video of any bear okay when we get the actual video footage maybe we'll bring that back for good news friday all right speaking of bears the daily beast has this headline 
for my friend, the big bear, Owen Benjamin himself. Neighbors fear bear-themed compound will be next Ruby Ridge. An alt-right comedian's plans for a remote patch of land in Idaho have terrified his neighbors who fear it could become a hostile compound remarked the start of a new Ruby Ridge-style standoff. Now, what what was Ruby Ridge? Ruby Ridge. Let's just, let's just let's Google real quick. Ruby Ridge. That was... That was the 11-day siege from 1992 in Boundary County, Idaho, near Naples, where I'm pretty sure how that went out was to, to arrest Randy Weaver, remember, uh, for a bench warrant for a failure to appear. And they ended up shooting uh, wife and kid. Let's see. What, 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 what resulted in... The deaths of Deputy U.S. Marshal W.F. Deegan, Samuel Weaver, a juvenile involved, and Vicki Weaver. Prosecution of Randy Weaver and Kevin Harris later acquitted in civil suits against the United States. So in, in the case of, of Randy Weaver and the Ruby Ridge standoff, If you're not going to blame government, you're saying that the big threat to civilized society is a guy living in the boonies in Idaho refusing to appear for court. That's pretty terrifying. Better shoot that guy. And you're saying that the law enforcement involved in this is so righteous and proper and being so fucking incompetent in the execution of that warrant that this outcome was appropriate and that you should blame Owen Benjamin for doing whatever the fuck he wants on his land in Idaho instead of the United States Marshal Service. You're afraid of another Ruby Ridge and you're such a pathetic bootlicking sycophant that you are protesting Owen Benjamin. Instead of the government agencies responsible for the Ruby Ridge style standoff. I have to imagine that this is a setup. That somebody in government doesn't like Owen Benjamin. And therefore planted these flyers allegedly from neighbors. We'll get to this in a story. I'm so upset about this. I'm falling out of my chair. Did, did you, this, I, because you know what? I Because I love Owen. I've interviewed him. Uh, we're not great friends, but he's a friend. Casual friend. You know? I love him. Respect him. Respect his work. Occasionally in the producers club, people share some of his content and I take it as good food for them. Apparently, we need to interview him again. An alt-right comedian's plans for a remote patch of land in Idaho, uh, Idaho have terrified his neighbors who fear it could become a hostile compound or mark the start of a new Ruby Ridge-style standoff. Really? Fucking really? People who live in the boonies in Idaho are afraid of Owen Benjamin. 
moving to the boonies in Idaho? I don't fucking think so. This is a completely contrived story one way or another. Comedian Owen Benjamin once had a moderately successful Hollywood career, landing roles in movies and TV shows and briefly becoming engaged to actress Christina Ritchie. Well, as far as I can tell, he dodged several bullets. After moving to the right, he appeared on podcasts hosted by Joe Rogan, Stephen Crowder, and Ben Shapiro's Daily Wire. As his following among conservatives grew, however, Benjamin became, became increasingly racist and anti-Semitic. And you go, really? He repeatedly used the N-word at a February 2018 comedy show and embraced conspiracy theories about the Holocaust claiming Adolf Hitler was only trying to clean Germany of the parasite. I'm like, oh. pro bad jacketing, bullshit, false journalism from the Daily Beast, and pretty pathetic stuff at that. Because you want to look into this. There, there are real racists and anti-Semites out, out there. I know. I'm Jewish enough. My nose is big enough that I get hate mail about it. Okay, let's put it that way. Um <laughs> Benjamin's broadcasts to his fans grew more erratic, seeing the one-time comedian embrace flat earth theory and recommend drinking turpentine as a medicinal cure. And to this, there's no links. There's no sources cited. And I went back now about using the N-word. I have and, and I I I've done it once. Quoting the N-word in a story and then referred to it. I've never used the N-word in hate in disrespect, or uh, against an individual even. But if you can't use it in comedy, if you can't use it to intellectually, if you have to say the N-word in a classroom talking about racism, you have no credibility. And someone trying to pull this shit with Owen Benjamin, you have no credibility either. So quotes out of context, and then I... I I, I, I tried to, to cite, uh, look, there, there were a couple links. And the one is, I, I, I wonder if this is a, do you think a website called Right Wing Watch might be a little bit biased nah. to one side or the other of the ideological perspective? So the Daily Beast citing Right Wing Watch, a project of people for the American way. And I look at this. And then in the same video, he called Barack Obama the N-word. Where's the video? There's a oh my god, there's a link. Can you watch it on YouTube? Can you what happens if if you if you click this link on on YouTube, do you know what comes up? This channel has been deleted. Oh. Sorry. Oh. How is this bigger news than the actual systemic racism and proof to it? Yeah, because there's so you're right. There's so much video unavailable. This video is no longer available because the YouTube account is so stupid. Terminated. This leads to the whole other, the you know, social media censorship of racism. Like if your neighbor posts something racist and someone they went to third grade with sees it at first and flags it, you might not ever get to know that you have a racist neighbor. They are actually, the system as it is today is engineered to sweep real racism under the rug. Ignore the real problems of systemic racism empowered by a system that uses it. That the system's not racist. The system is elitist. They use racism to keep us divided, to distract us, but they don't care, right? They don't care about it as a, as a genuine social problem, obviously. It is a tool for them to keep exploiting people. And yet somehow, 
Owen Benjamin. And he's pretty libertarian, actually. He's genuinely, he's, I don't think he's quite libertarian. I think he's sort of conser- libertarian-leaning conservative, more than true libertarian, but whatever. He's probably a lot more libertarian. We had this conversation last. But like him doing his thing, having fun with his bear-themed compound in the woods in Idaho, really, like, and, and there's this whole other sector of addressing racism, of using it, for just partisan bullshit. And that's clearly what this is. What's worse is that he is really more of a libertarian than a Republican or any kind of conservative mainstream. And so they're slandering him this way for obvious reasons to slander anybody that you know challenges this leftist, statist, authoritarian ideology. So, but being on the internet's fringes can be, and I, by the way, I, the, sorry, back to the, the the linked story to Right Wing Watch about Owen Benjamin. The, the, the title is Owen Benjamin, another red pill overdose victim. <laughs> <laughs> you got too far out of the matrix. <laughs> Do you not? You know, you know, the left can't mean. The left can't even write clever headlines. Oh. Um, fail, fail. Yeah. Um, but being on the internet's fringes can be lonely. So Benjamin decided to build a place where his remaining bear themed following, who call themselves unbearables, could meet in person. Exactly what Benjamin's intentions for the property in Sandpoint, Idaho, are has become a hot topic in Idaho's Boundary County, dubbed Ursa Rio by Benjamin after the. Moy River that abuts the property of the land marks the culmination of Benjamin's year-long plan to establish a gathering place for his fans. Sounds pretty fucking cool. Like a bear sanctuary? Or is he like Carol Baskin? People who like calling themselves bear sanctuary. As Benjamin and his supporters set up basic sanitation and housing on the property, Benjamin's neighbors are getting nervous, urging local officials to step in and issue a cease and desist order blocking construction. You know what? Block. I mean, blocking construction construction he doesn't have a right to build on his own land there no the people of idaho are such status asshole interventionists uh no no and i mean and and oh and i'll tell you if it gets too cold or too status free in idaho please come join us here in juniper wood ranch arizona because like you i mean my neighbor only concern was traffic <laughs> According to some of our neighbors, they were approached by federal law enforcement to set up surveillance on property on, on their property to surveil us here, and they told them to go pound sand. When zoning people come out to enforce zoning in, in this area of Yavapai County, they get their tires shut out. We have really good neighbors in places like this in America still. So after Benjamin... And it, so you, you are the other, there was a flyer distributed at a hearing last week urging county commissioners to block construction on Benjamin's property that said you are the only people who can prevent this reenactment of Ruby Ridge. That's like a rapist going around saying, you need to keep your women locked up. You're the only ones who can prevent this rape. Don't touch me. Don't dump me the rapist. No, you need to let me continue to run around unabated, terrorizing society. The only way to prevent a rape is to keep your girls and women locked up. I mean, do you not like just fucking insanely backwards status perspective? 
flyers distributed a county commission meeting to make this a story this is not natural this is not organic for Benjamin's opponents, the prospect of a far-right encampment in Idaho recalls the state's history with other extremists. And so they use this to slander by comparing him to like actual racists and all the other things. But they don't say, oh, like they, what they have to use as their excuse is this is the Ruby Ridge specter. And you go, wait, what was Ruby Ridge? They shot an unarmed woman holding a kid. Like, Yeah. Uh, the roots of the clash over Ursa Rio began last year when Benjamin began raising funds for Barataria. But you know what? I'm going to skip this part of the story because we're going to get Owen on the show. At least we're going to invite him and uh, we'll get his story uh, on, on all of this. Uh, in an email to county officials, one neighbor pointed out that the property isn't serviced by utilities. <gasps> oh, They're living no! off grid. They're not dependent on our system. Like everybody here, Owen, by the way, every, everybody here is off grid. And a lot of people in Idaho, Idaho, Idaho live off grid. They're, they're, com they're complaining about this and you go, no, no. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, he's, he's offering bears who might try to live on the land permanently for his people, his bears, his community. Um, he said, I have my own private paramilitary force, which is always a good thing. And then later had to walk back. And Ben, I, Benjamin, I, I, I think you really need to stand by this one because as he said, I told the Daily Beast, the people writing this slander piece on him, I do not have a paramilitary squad. I was making a joke as a comedian, unless you consider my goats and chickens a military. Benjamin, I, I would join you in standing up for your right to defend yourself there in a way that I, as a felon, am denied. <laughs> you, a paramilitary is more a, a militia, private defense. You, you, you really, you're, you're, you're going to walk, you're going to be, and, and Owen, I respect him playing his own game dealing with this balancing uh you know the propaganda uh fight that you have to fight with all your other concerns um but yeah um there yeah uh so owen uh owen benjamin i i hope you can uh come on the show again i i, I wish you nothing but success in this um Obviously, you're. I, 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 I hope that just by making this video, because I know whoever is behind this shit is going to watch this video, and I hope it makes that their job that much harder, and it makes them makes it impossible for them to fuck with you any worse than you already have. All right. Speaking of bears, we have the video from that last story from the Daily Mail on our next link. Fearless girl, 17, who charged bear and shoved it off her yard wall to save dog, admits she was out of her mind to take on the apex predator as she nurses a sprained finger and grazed knee. You have that one, Jim? Pretty badass. It's right there on the top of the page. Yes, there's the video. And you can see it happening. There it is, red circle around the bear. And this girl runs up and just... 
no, you're not fucking with my dogs. Uh, but yeah, uh, we're not going to let Big Bear Owen Benjamin get pushed off the wall in Idaho anytime soon. We got a really fun grab bag that is going to have to be saved for our Thursday catch up on headlines show. And Jim is like, God damn it, Adam, I pulled up all these links for nothing. That's right, Jim. Give us the producer notes to take. Actually, sorry, sorry, sorry. In order, Aunt Rolson, did anybody beat Whoopty Do? Any other any other hot entrance in our comment contest today? No, uh, I, I think uh, we're gonna give it to Whoopty Do on that one. On uh, I like that one too. That was a pretty good one. Uh, still praying to fake gods during a pandemic. Well, depends on who your god is, I guess, huh? <laughs> All right, thank you, Pam. Thank you, Whoopty Do. If you're not one of our accounts already plugged in on Telegram with our producers club, send an email to Jim at thefreedomline.com. And with that, Jim, give us the producer notes. What's going on? Yes, please email me there. I'll get you set up. Uh, if you're in the public Telegram channel, that's there at t.me forward slash Adam versus the man. That's the link that you can get yourself involved and check out the 20 or 30 links that I pulled up for no reason whatsoever. You can check those out anyways and have fun with that. Patreon is where you can join our private Patreon, uh, private producers club, uh, where you get the backstage access every day. You can also get 15% off and, uh, uh, 15% off at all merchandise and free shipping. I don't know why I'm stuttering right now. Visit cigarfederation.com. Uh, you can use promo code ADAM10, all caps there, to get 10% off your entire order. So CigarFederation.com is an awesome website. Instagram, at the Garden of Freedom is the handle to be able to find out in pictures and videos everything that's going on with Adam up there in Gardenia. The Crypto6 is how you can, the Crypto6.com is how you can help all the people that were raided at the Bitcoin church that you, I'm sure you've heard about. And GoGreenEnergyOnline.com is the best website for do-it-yourselfers that want to learn more about uh, going off-grid or getting themselves self-sustained with solar and wind power. There you go. Awesome, Jim. Thank you so much. And thank you for helping me with that last segment. I think uh, given, again, there was something about that Owen Benjamin story, not just as a friend or someone I know, but it, it really, it, that, that kind of scares me. And I have no regrets dedicating a chunk of today's show to uh voicing support caution and i hope calling attention to it and perspective to it in a way that makes it a lot less likely to end badly for him mm -hmm. so from goodnewsnetwork.org good news in history june 2nd 125 years ago today the italian electrical engineer and inventor marconi applied for the first ever patent for a system of wireless communication credited as the inventor of radio also winner of the 1909 nobel prize for physics for contributions to the development of wireless telegraphy. That's what it used to be called, if you, if you remember. On the same 1800, the first smallpox vaccination in North America was administered in Newfoundland. I don't know, I feel like I need to know more about that before I can judge it, right? 1910, Charles Rolls, co-founder of Rolls-Royce, became the first man to make a non-stop double crossing of the English Channel by plane, pretty cool feat. On the day in 1953, Queen Elizabeth II crowned Queen of the UK, Canada, Australia, New Zealand in the first major international event to be televised. That was not good news. That was the continuation of the, uh, I, I mean, the tyrannical monarchy. Yeah. Uh, is, is the monarchy of the UK today tyrannical or just the profiteers of historical tyranny 
and and authoritarian uh, in in maintaining that wealth. Hard to say, but you can definitely say that Queen Elizabeth the uh, second being crowned in 1953 was not good news. Although internationally televised event, getting that capability, I'll see that good news in it. On this day, 1979, Pope John Paul II returned to his native Poland, the first pontiff to visit a communist country cheered by millions as he fell on his knees at the airport and kissed the ground. Neutral, I guess. Dead Poet Society premiered on this day in 1989. Good cultural moment. Great movie. And uh, on this day in 2004, Ken Jennings, 74-game winning streak on the TV game show Jeopardy began. Oh um and uh that's about it good show everybody thank you so much peace and love y'all choose happiness and be excellent to each other